Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. A little book called Steps to Christ contains this famous quote. The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. So this is hand-to-hand -hand combat. The warfare against self, you are fighting against you. So who is going to win, you or you, or who is going to lose, you or you? So who's going to win and who's going to lose? Your true self or your false self? When you wake up, you put on boxing gloves every single morning and you come out swinging and that's what you do whenever you truly pray. You are fighting hand-to-hand -hand combat. Galatians 2 verse 20 speaks about the true eye and the false eye. Unfortunately, we have been infected with a deadly virus called sin. So we have to battle against our false self, the one who loves sin and selfishness. Look what the Apostle Paul writes, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I, the false I, the I who is enslaved to sin and selfishness, that I is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, Paul says, I, the true I, live. This is who I was created to be, the free I. I live, yet not I, not the false I, but Christ lives in me, the true I. He lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which tells us that a rebel is a person who is under a wicked spell, resisting God, thinking selfish and self-centered thoughts, like Satan, the first rebel. So to state that positively, instead of living under an evil spell, when you live at peace with God, you put your faith in God. Jesus put it this way, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Every rebel is really under a deceptive spell where he thinks he's free, but he's really a slave of sin and selfishness. Sin and selfishness destroy you. Man is doing the greatest injury and injustice to his own soul when he thinks and acts contrary to the will of God. No real joy can be found in the path forbidden by him who knows what is best and who plans for the good of his creatures. The path of transgression is the path of misery and destruction. Our special guest on Eddie's Written Canada today is Sean Young, who became so overwhelmed and almost defeated in the greatest battle that was ever fought that he almost completely lost his mind. In a moment, you will hear Sean himself tell you how he was entirely unable to silence that voice of rebellion without divine help.
Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. It has been said that the only security for any soul is right thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Today our special guest is Pastor Sean Young, whose thoughts had been wearing a rut in the wrong direction until he decided to get off that old path and change directions. Sean, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you both for having me. So, Pastor Sean, let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, and about your current career. Well, I'm originally from Montreal, Quebec, where I met my wife, and we, we have three children, and we now live in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. I, I am a chaplain, and my wife is a high school teacher. So, Pastor Sean, something happened at about the age of 11 or 12. There was a defining moment in your life. You don't have to tell us all the details about it, but can you tell us how that moment changed you and how it affected you? Uh, well, basically something happened when I was about 11 or around 11 or 12, and I just tucked that away. I just forgot about it, moved on, and around the age 16, uh, what happened was one night it just came back to my memory and I felt the worst guilt I ever felt in my life. And that just changed my whole direction. At the moment, at age 16, I was really into gang activity. I wanted to be a gangster. Uh, the people that I was around, uh, they were into some sort of gang, gang activity or selling drugs and doing different things. And that was where I wanted to go. But uh, when that uh, memory came back, it changed the direction of my life and I started to act different. I started to ch uh, change the way I dressed and uh, went to church and got, I got baptized. So you started learning new things as well. You were reading the Bible a lot? Yeah, I was reading my Bible. And then someone came to you with a bit of a challenge. Yeah, it's funny. It's like I just freshly got baptized, starting to read my Bible, and going in a new direction. And here comes this guy. He's from a church called Seventh-day Adventist. And he's like, do you know that Saturday is the Sabbath? And I'm like, what? I, grew up to I went to church on uh, Sunday all my life. Uh, so it was a natural thing for Sunday to be, you know, that's the day of worship. But he challenged me, and I actually started studying my Bible more proficiently to prove him wrong. But in the end, God said, no, he's right. So that led you to further Bible studies? Uh, yeah. Um, my wife knew uh, some individuals from the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and um, eventually they came and studied with us. And we later uh, went and got baptized. So you had that conviction, and then the Holy Spirit started speaking to you and giving you a stronger conviction. All right, so no, nobody was telling me this, but as I'm reading my Bible, uh, a conviction to witness to people uh, started to become stronger and stronger in my mind and in my heart. And uh, for me, growing up around uh, drug dealers and all these people, and Montreal is a, a pretty dangerous place. They have prostitutes, they have uh, strip clubs. 
the thoughts in my mind is like, I have to speak to these individuals? I am not gonna do that. That is too scary. That is, no, I'm not gonna do it. These people are gonna kill me. So uh, one night, um, I said, I'm not gonna do it. And I said, I quit. And you quit? I quit. This was after getting baptized. It was not maybe three months in from getting baptized, four months. I don't remember the, the exact time, but it was very early from getting baptized. Uh, I said, Lord, I can't do this. I said, I quit, and that was it. Shortly after you stifled those convictions and you refused to listen to the Holy Spirit telling you and prompting you to witness, and you were too afraid, said, no, I'm not doing that, what happened? Shortly after that, uh, there was a moment uh, right after I said, I quit, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, there was a moment where I was, I was feeling very flustered, and I took a car ride with my older brother. And while in that car ride, I heard something in my head. It's like time stopped, and I heard the words uttered, you are going to die the worst possible death because you showed no mercy. And I was wondering, why am I feeling this? Why am I going through this moment uh, at this time? And um, shortly after that, I was plagued in my mind. It's like a squirrel running on a, on a treadmill, just going in circles. Why did I hear this? You're gonna die the worst possible death. And this didn't just last days, but weeks and months. And um, it just kept on going in my mind. I, I wasn't the same until eventually this led to a mental break and I ended up in a psychiatric ward. So how did your mother, how did your family relate to that? So what happened was one day my mom came to visit me at the hospital and she's like, don't take the meds. Cause she knows, she's worked at a hospital before like this and she knows what has happened in, in the past to those who kept taking those medications. So she's telling me, don't take the medication, don't take the medication. And um, while she's there one day visiting me, a letter goes home and my sister gets the letter and the letter's from the hospital. So she calls my mom and says, mom, there's a letter that came from the hospital. So my mom being at the hospital, she's like, what is this letter all about? And they said, oh, nothing to worry about, nothing at all. She goes home, it's a Thursday afternoon, she goes home, she reads the letter, and basically what this letter is for, it's for a court date the next day to take her rights away from me. She gets up the morning, she goes on her knees, she doesn't have a lawyer, she doesn't have anything, she just goes on her knees and she prays. My mom was and is a prayer warrior, and by the time she's done, um, I'm out of there. Two weeks I was in there, the longest two weeks of my life. But after the court date, I was out of the hospital, but I was still out of my mind. So, Pastor Sean, how did you get into your right mind then? Okay, so what happened was I was sent to Trinidad and Tobago. That was part of me coming out there, coming out of the hospital. Uh, so I was in Trinidad and Tobago for, for two months. And while I was there, I was doing some very strange things. I said I was still in my, not in my right mind. And um, my aunt one day, she came to me. She's like, I took my vacation so that you can be okay. And you're not. And she's crying. She just started crying. And something with those tears broke my heart. And that for me, I don't know what it was about that moment but that changed everything. 
and I slowly went back into my right mind. So that's when you were able to contact your, was your girlfriend and she became your wife, you got married. Uh, things are going on a good path now. And then the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and saying, get a certain book. What happened was there was this book called Bible Readings for the Home. And someone gave this, this random book to my wife. And back in early, I read through this book and I was like, there's some strange, strange doctrine in this. I don't think I should read this book. And I just packed it away and I thought that was the end of this book. And over time, we traveled and we moved different places. And this book kept trailing us. We'll pack it, we'll unpack it, we'll pack it, unpack it. And after several years, uh, the Holy Spirit said, go find this book. And what happened was I was working on the Sabbath at this time. And um, I went and find that big book. It's a very thick book. And I was like, I don't like reading these thick books, but when the Holy Spirit convicts, you do what the Holy Spirit says. So I started reading through this thick book. And uh, when it came to the issue of the Sabbath, because that's what brought me into the Adventist church in the first place. When it reached to that place, uh, I had some decisions to make. I'm working on the Sabbath, and it's telling us, the book is saying how to keep the Sabbath. And uh, I started becoming convicted. Do I continue to work on the Sabbath, or do I make a decision for Christ? And I told my wife, I am going to leave my job. I'm going to just tell my boss I'm not, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm going to leave. And uh, I chickened out. To be honest, I chickened out. And then I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I said, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to tell my boss. If they don't give me the Sabbath off, I'm quitting. I told my boss, I'm leaving the job. I didn't have any job to go to at that moment. I said, I'm leaving the job. And when I finally decided that I'm going to leave the job, one week later, the job that I applied for earlier finally opens up. And ever since then, I never had to work on the Sabbath again. What led me to become a pastor was, um, even though I grew up in Montreal, uh, one day uh, my wife and I were, uh, and a friend were discussing, well, where can we basically go to bring Christian education for our children? Uh, it was me more so on a friend. And then um, me and my wife were discussing after, where should we move? And the both places collided, basically. We ended up moving to Alberta. Uh, for me, was basically, I, I wanted my kids to have Christian education, and we end up moving to Alberta. And they got Christian education, but God also uh, found a way for me and my wife to go to school in Alberta. And while we were in Alberta, um, one day at church, this gentleman, he's up there, he's sharing his testimony, and he's, he was a computer technician, and he says, uh, he was a computer technician, but God led him to ministry. And at the end he made of his, uh, at the end he finished preaching, he said, whatever God tells you to do, you should do it. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And when I said that, the first thing that I heard in my mind was, uh, be a pastor. And I was like, okay, be a pastor. If you want me to be a pastor, then have somebody tell me without me saying anything. So I said that and I left it as that. 
Then I went down in, in the church basement where I met an old friend from Cal Calgary. And I was speaking to her and I was sharing an experience I had with God. And at the end of that conversation, the first words that came out of her mouth was, you know what? You should be a pastor. And I was like, oh, blown away. God answered so quickly. So after that experience, other people start coming up to me and saying the same thing, you should be a pastor. And uh, uh, in my second year, because I, I went into education and my wife was also in education, in my second year of education, after so many people keep on pouring into me saying I should switch, I switched from um, education to theology. Yeah, so right idea, wrong classroom, yeah. So you, you became a pastor, um, then how did you uh, relate to this calling, this greatest fear that you had of witnessing to others? So I know witnessing comes with its challenges, but how I deal with it is that I have to allow my, um, my, the courage to rise up and push down my fears. I can't let my fears of speaking to people and witnessing I, I get the best of me. That's what happened when I was younger. And when God was saying to witness, I allowed my fears to get the best of me to the point where it's like, no, I'm done. And now I have to allow the courage that God has given me to push me, compel me, and push me forward uh, to preach the gospel. And you do it by God's grace. Were you able to go back to the people in Montreal and, and share? Yeah, the funny thing is, the same people that I was afraid to witness to, the drug dealers, uh, even some prostitutes, even some people who live that lifestyle, is the same people I'm able to speak to and share my testimony with, uh, even right now. And they didn't kill you? They didn't kill me. <laughs> I'm still here sharing the story. Yeah, I live to tell the story. So, so how do you understand that those words that kept, like you said, the squirrel on a wheel going in your mind, telling you, you're going to die the worst possible death because you did not show any mercy. Uh, now, when I look at those words, I understand that it was not from God. It was a direct attack from the enemy. And how I will quantify this is that um, God was preparing my life to meet and minister to individuals so that they don't have to die the worst possible death, which is basically uh, a death in a Christless grave. God was leading me on this journey to become a pastor, to share that message. But at the same time, uh, Satan, um, he intercepted me and was making me feel that I am going to die the worst possible death. And um, God showed me that me dying to self is not the worst possible death, but the best possible death. And in my fears, I wasn't allowing myself to die that best possible death, death to self. I was so fearful, so terrified, that I was only allowing my fears and what Satan pumped into my brain to direct me. But God continued to work and minister to me until I was able to stand up and push Satan aside. Mm -hmm. And now my job, my whole duty, is to rescue people from Christless graves, the worst possible death you can experience. So, Pastor Sean, how often do we have to die this death to self? Um, 
the crazy thing about it is that it's a daily thing. It's sometimes it's even a moment by moment thing. Um, and when we die, we allow others to live. So when we put, lay down selfishness, when it's not our will, but the Lord's will, uh, others get to live through that. So I have to learn this, and I'm still learning this day by day and moment by moment to surrender and allow the Lord to lead and guide me moment by moment. Yeah. So, so where do you find that confidence to go forward? How do you silence those negative voices inside? What I do, and this is something I want to share with everybody, uh, there's a beautiful story. It's found in Mark chapter 5. Uh, Jesus comes uh, and he meets this man who is crying and cutting himself. Nobody can tame him. He's just out of control. What we will call now um, mental health, but he is extreme mental health. Um, and what happens, what's my favorite part in this whole story is verse 6. Because after he's crying, cutting himself, nobody can tame him. He sees Jesus coming. And what he does is so profound, I would like everyone to take note of this. He runs to Jesus' feet and he begins to worship him. And when he worships him, the demons take over. Now why that's a blessing is that he's at Jesus' feet. It doesn't matter if 10,000 demons take over, a million demons take over, because he is now at Jesus' feet. And what I learned from this is, when I start getting any type of spiritual attacks, instead of trying to fight and battle it on my own, I begin to pray in that moment, Lord, you see what is happening. Please help me through this moment. Please guide me, please protect me. And I just have that conversation, me and Jesus having that conversation. And in that moment, all I have to do is wait till the storm passes. But now God is in control, Jesus is in control. I don't have to worry, and I just go through that. So anytime I have that mental battle, it's not me alone. Right away, I intercept Jesus. I used to watch a WWF, and what happens is a man is getting beat up, and his partner is waiting to be tagged in. He's waiting in the corner just to be tagged in. And the minute he tags in his partner, it's over, because his partner was there waiting, ready to jump into the battle. And this has been my saving grace time and time again. When I tag in Jesus right away, he begins to work on the case. So as, you're, as others are going through, tag in Jesus. Do not waste time. Read that story, Mark chapter 5. Read it over and over. And at the end of that story, the beautiful part, the man that was crying and cutting himself is now clothed and in his right mind. Just like I'm here sitting before you, clothed in my right mind. Were there certain things, just final questions, at times that kind of tripped you up, like music or movies or things like that? I know you had talked to me about that. Yeah, I, I had moments where uh, those things greatly affected my mind, uh, music and, uh, and movies. Uh, but what happened was, uh, through a friend, a mother of a friend, through them, uh, I learned Psalms 91 and uh, and I got some guidance from a friend that God, or two friends. And, um, but when I learned Psalms 91, 
that changed the game. That helped me to, to learn to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And I started gathering verses. Uh, my mind was under such attack at times that I had to start gathering verses and memorize these scriptures to fortify my mind. And that helped me greatly uh, on the, this journey that, that I'm now, I'm still walking with the Lord, but it, that changed Psalms 91, learning to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and coupled with Mark chapter five, the demoniac story, get to Jesus right away. Those two things solidify. Plus the support from those, my wife, uh, those God sent on my journey to help me, my mom, my sister, so much people, my pastor, so much, my pastor at the time, Pastor O'Neill Madden, <laughs> all these people helped me on my journey. Pastor Sean, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We've come to the end of our time together, but before we go, I wonder if you could pray for our viewers. Perhaps there's someone watching who's struggling with these negative thoughts that are just going over and over in their minds, or they don't know what God's will is for their lives. So please, could you pray for them? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, I'm first thanking you for rescuing me. And for those who are struggling out there, for that one person that is struggling with those uh, demonic thoughts, I pray that you will rescue them the same way that you have rescued me and set them on their journey. Help them to learn the principles that I have learned, how to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and how to get to Jesus as soon as possible. Help them to, to remember to read uh, Mark chapter five um, and see the, how the demoniac found hope and grace at the feet of Jesus. Be with each and every one of us uh, and all those that hear this message, transform their lives and set them on their way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor Sean Young, thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Canada. It was a pleasure to be here. Friends, you too can experience the kind of transformation that only God's Word offers. Our free offer for you today is our Bible study guides. Whether you want to learn the major teachings of God's Word or Bible prophecy, we can personally assist you to find answers for how to face the issues and challenges you may be dealing with right now. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook or subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. Friends, we recommend to you this book, The Bible, where it is recorded that Jesus found his confidence to overcome temptation through the word of his Father. When he declared, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God.